Tom, I've got a question for you. What, yeah? Wait, hit it. Hit me. Hit me. Living in a palace. Good thing or bad thing? Uh, I mean, excellent for me, because you know how fucking fresh I like to keep it with my hundreds of thousands of linens, but I feel like <laughs> systemically probably not great. <laughs> Well, actually, you were wrong on the first count, too. Oh, really? Why would you not have linens in a palace? It's just a big house. Not that linens you, are the most well, precious well, thing we well, have. You weren't wrong about the linens. You were wrong about <laughs> how it would be nice. podcast about incompetence each week i tell a friend of mine and you the listener a story from history involving massive incompetence today i have i've actually lost count of how many times returning guest tom lockney on the hello no. i'm tom lockney <laughs> so hi bad. everybody it's me again oh like a ghost i haunt you that's a good lead-in tom does the king me podcast on the major cast network, also media majors, which sure you may do. have heard of if you listen to this podcast. Thanks for having me back on, Eric. What are we talking about today? Well, okay, so I've had kind of uh, an eclectic mix with you on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I've kind of I've I've started talking about like what I've done for like guests in the past when mm-hmm. I introduced them, and I there isn't really a through line for you. Yeah, because I'm a fucking wild card. You, yeah, you so, never know what you're getting from a good old Tom Epp, but so you know you're getting it's quality. An, it's another wild card episode. Today we're going to talk about Versailles. Okay, I know that there was a treaty there, and that is where my knowledge of Versailles begins and ends. Oh, and in France. <laughs> and in France. Yeah, it, in was, France. it was where the treaty that ended World War One was signed. Damn, that's a big fucking treaty, though, ain't it? Ain't that some shit? That's one of the big ones of all the treaties. <laughs> What's so fucking interesting about this stupid palace? All right. This fucking the home of the bourgeoisie. We're skipping the pleasantries and getting right to the business. Yeah. Guillotines, everybody. Bring them back. <laughs> In 1589, King ha- King Henri, excuse me, I was going to say Henry, King Henri IV of France went to a little village in northern central France called Versailles for a hunting mm-hmm. vacation. He would return there to stay at the village inn and hunt a few times in later years, as, as would his son, King Louis XIII. Louis bought some land in 1610 when he was nine years old. Somehow. Un- unbelievable. Yeah. What uh, are you going to do with that as a nine-year-old? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Well, oh, Grandpapa, thank you. Thank you for the <laughs> acreage. I'm going to play with my stick and hoop, Grandpapa. It is weird. Like, it's like, I want this land. And then the French government makes it happen. Yeah. Although, I, I guess it, I guess I had the wrong accent for that. You know? It would be <laughs> well, more I'm like, not going to be trying to do Thank French Thank you accents. so much, Grandpapa. It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> you, you, you wouldn't be the first to do a bad French accent on this podcast. And I'm not going to, you know, stop you. So Excellent. Thank you. 
So King Louis XIII bought some land in 1610 there, and he built a two-story hunting lodge on the spot. And about 20 years after that, he turned it into a full-fledged chateau, buying up the land around it and installing elaborate gardens. Okay, cool. The next king, Louis XIV, did not visit the chateau until 1651, but apparently he loved the place as he had an idea in 1660. He decided to expand the chateau in a decades-long process that added several new wings, embellished gardens, orchards, grottos, a chapel, and then another chapel later, the Hall of Mirrors, and a zoo. That's fucking weird. That's fucking weird. The next two kings would also make a few changes of their so, own. Can I can I clarify something? He visited once and was like, "Oh shit, you know what this is missing? A fucking zoo." Yeah, he shit. He like he knew that this was like his dad's hunting lodge and like his his granddad's hunting lodge. He was like, "You know what? This is the spot." And a hall of mirrors. I've been feeling insecure about my height. No, yeah, that's well, Napoleon, but we're going to throw it on Louis as well. Insecure about my height, going to elongate myself. We'll get we'll get back to the Hall of Mirrors later. The chateau grew so much that it was clearly not just a chateau anymore. It was a full-on palace. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason it grew so much is because Louis XIV spent so much time there, and he was a really big deal. He was a king, I understand. Yeah, that seems like a pretty big deal He wasn't to me. just the king. You know how a lot of kings have, like, nicknames about, like, how good or bad they were? Yeah, what's his nickname, Louis XIV was the sun king. You like, like, the child sun or, like, the sun in the sky the sun? The sun in the sky. <laughs> wow, damn. That was his did, nickname. So... He is known as one of the most... He is per- he's probably the most famous of all French monarchs. There are, like, a few... Like, it's debatable, but, like top three was it was it because he was so decadent or was it like oh he is like omnipresent like the sun yes and it was also because under his rule france essentially became the center of europe oh okay that's actually a clever nickname you know what hey french people i'll give you that one he was a big deal (laughs) just want to really just get that get that out there he was I'm sure. I'm sure he kept humble. I'm sure he didn't let it go to his head. We'll talk. We'll talk about his ego in just a bit, Tom. Excellent. Yeah. Continue. So when Louis started spending all his time in Versailles, the French government basically had to follow him. They crowded into the castle thousands at a time. Soon there were six to seven thousand people living in the palace year round. That number would grow to at least 10,000 year-round at its peak. Oh my god. As you might have guessed, it cost a lot of money to build and maintain. How much money did it cost, Eric? There's no easy way to calculate how much it all cost in today's money, and estimates are wide-ranging even by the best historians, but in today's dollars it cost at least $3.5 billion to build, and Jesus. as much as 200 or 300 billion so it, so i i'm huh at one point the construction of versailles consumed about 25% of the entire french government's funds sounds like a good use of money mm-hmm. good use of money good use of money how were the people <laughs> in france doing how were they we're not going to talk about them, really. Not so good, I think, huh? 
This episode's about the nobles. Shit, we gotta pay taxes for a fucking 20... 25 percent 25 fucking percent yeah man just like wrap your head around that like this is like instead of you know how the u.s spends all its money on the military on war this one was like hey you know what we got we got a big fucking house (laughs) check out our cool fucking house nerds what a big old mansion hey duke frankfurt Come over to the big house. Look at yourself in this mirror. Oh, you can do it in that mirror. There are a hundred mirrors in here. Yeah, that 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 hall of mirrors would also take thousands of candles to light every day. Ugh. <laughs> I'm f- already furious. Oh my god, it gets so much worse. Tom. Oh Christ. To accommodate all this, the architects and designers turned the building of Versailles into a French cottage industry, using only French manufacturers and artisans to construct it. They yeah, nationalized- cottage, you know, cottage industry to build a fucking palace, you know? Just, like, kind of, like, small, pretty indie. Yeah. It's, like, hot topic for they palaces. Made all, the, all, the, all the furniture, which was mostly made out of silver, came from France. Jesus uh, Christ. They they even nationalized a tapestry factory. Like, they made it the national, like, tapestry factory of France, which sounds really weird to me. I don't know. I'm sure that there's some fucking asshole out there who's like, well, it really stimulated the economy. It got a lot of jobs. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> you know, maybe we should make jobs that help people or something. I yeah, don't know. I think for the first, it, you know, stimulated the economy, you know, because it was constantly under construction. People constantly need to be paid for it. We'll get to, you know, later on when times weren't so good. Mm-hmm. When, um, they, when they were like, damn, we spent 25 fucking percent of our budget on a big house. Yeah. You remember the Hall of Mirrors? They all at the at the time when it was getting built, Venice had like a monopoly on mirror construction. Like they were the only ones who knew how to make real good mirrors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they had to entice like Venetian mirror artisans away from there with lots of money to come build the the Hall of Mirrors for them. And report and like supposedly, uh, merchants from Venice and like maybe even the Venice government actually tried to have those artisans assassinated to Why? stop them from spreading the mirror secrets oh my god yeah <laughs> uh I'm, I'm not clear that this actually happened and it's definitely not clear if it was successful okay but a lot of sources say it happened hey i'd buy that these people sound dumb as shit <laughs> so i said earlier that uh king louis the 14th was a big deal Uh, And it's not just the building of Versailles that reflects that. We're also here to talk about how people acted in Versailles. Mm -hmm. The most opulent and complicated court etiquette of all time. Oh, Jesus fucking God. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. God, you know what I love? All the fucking rules about aesthetic. (laughs) I fucking love it. Gotta tuck in your shirt. Wear a bow tie, shake with your left hand, pinky out. No underwear. No underwear. These linens are too soft. Tom, I guarantee you everything you've just said is not as weird as what I'm about to tell you about. Fuck me. All right. (laughs) Make whoopsie on me, Eric. So I, 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 you know, he was called the Sun King. Big deal. Mm -hmm. He's super influential and important to history. And that's fact. That is definitely true. But history's view of him isn't nearly as grand as his view of himself. 
Okay, yeah, I figured. Louis XIV was a big believer in the divine right of kings, that kings ruled because God wanted them to. All right, yeah, that always goes well. (laughs) Yeah, being number one was his preordained right. And so he believed that pretty much everyone else in Versailles had to be exactly where they were supposed to be, too. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. This extended not just to the living quarters, which was highest rank on the ground floor, servants stuffed in attics or behind staircases. It extended to everything, the way you walked, greeted people, bowed to people. It was all contingent on your relation to another person's rank. Mm-hmm. Okay. When greeting people, the king himself wouldn't do anything for a commoner. He would touch his hat for a gentleman. He would lift it for a nobleman, and he would actually doff it for a prince of the blood. Oh my god, what does he do if he has another king over? Does he give him the hat? And just punches him in the fucking face. Fucking eats his own hat. Yeah. <laughs> just throws it at him. They trade hats. Yeah, there we go. That's and then nice. they become the kings of other the other country because they're just swapping crowns. Yeah, and if and that seems that it that alone is hard enough to remember. Like, oh, I got to do this for these guys and this for those guys. Well, I think you're forgetting the most important part of it, Eric, which is that it's also incredibly stupid. Yes, rules for hat wearing were, however, much more complicated for those beneath the king. Uh, Mm -hmm. As everyone was expected to wear a hat in the public corridors, Uh, commoners could rent a hat and sword outside the gates if they didn't have any, because they were expected (sighs) to wear a hat. That's the most, like, Disney World fucking shit. Like, well, if you go to one of our branded hat and sword vendors, sorry. Shit, you gotta buy... Hey, you gotta buy a ticket to Disney World, but instead of a ticket, it's a dumb fucking t-shirt of Mickey Mouse... (laughs) It's a hat! ...eating you. It's a hat and a sword. (sighs) (laughs) I would have rented one of those swords and rammed it right in the king's fucking neck. Yeah, so... The, they had to wear a hat in the public corridors, but if you were a courtier and, and visited someone in a private room, you were expected to take your hat off. Uh, the king would wear a hat everywhere in the place, and everyone was supposed to take off their hat for the king, except for dinner, where the king would take off his hat and everyone else had to wear their hat. Mm-hmm. So you got all the, <laughs> that's That's the hat rules. All right, um, those are hats. What else have you got for me? Courtiers would bow at certain depths based on whether they were walking in public or in a private residence. Doors wouldn't be opened for them as wide as they were for royalty. There were there were double doors everywhere throughout the palace, and most people, only one door would open, but if royalty went through, both doors would be opened. Very nice. This sounds useful. Also, here's... We here's live the... in a society. <laughs> here's the first part where it starts, like, getting, like, weird. Yeah. <laughs> knocking on doors was gauche it was it was a faux pas to like use your knuckles to wrap a door what would Uh, you do instead you were expected to grow out one of your fingernails and scratch a door to to announce your presence that's the fucking weirdest thing i've ever heard in my life (laughs) oh my god what the fuck started Ugh. We've rapidly hit the point where I'm no longer amused by these antics and I'm now just like angry that that there were people in control who ordered society like this. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. It's so dumb. Let's fucking yeah, man. Fucking do it. Let's do it. Let's keep it going. 
But also, like, getting back to the Sun King's ego, it wasn't just the rank that showed how much he believed in his own power. He also started a tradition at Versailles where it was basically a privilege to watch him do stuff. This is where it oh, starts man. getting like really weird. Like the the fingernail is like for, is is where it like starts, but like King Louis started these traditions and royals after him continued and intensified them, but basically he allowed nobles and courtiers to watch him in his private chambers as a sign of favor. I think I figured out what my episode themes are and it's Oh, yeah, this starts off, we're going to make fun jokes about history. It'll be great. It'll be so fucking fun. And then I just get angry, and I just get legitimately angry. You make me mad. (laughs) Stupid idiot Tom listens to his friend make him pissed off for an hour. Fuck. (laughs) Ugh. So the weirdest part of this is that they would, like, dress the king... Oh, that's the weirdest part. Yeah, fuck it. Louis XIV introduced rituals of dressing and undressing called levee and coucher. What are they? What are they? Where hand-picked relatives, courtiers, visitors, nobles, and VIPs would watch as the king's servants dressed him. In the morning and at night, levee means like to rise, coucher means to go to bed. Mm-hmm. That must have been boring and uncomfortable as shit. <laughs> so uh, one, a lot of historians say that one of the main reasons that he did all this was to keep an eye on all his on his shitty courtiers mm-hmm. to like make sure that they weren't stepping out of line, and so he could like play them off against each other and remind them that he was in control. All right, sounds like a good person. I mean, like it works. I guess so. Yeah. Man, I'm so I feel so lucky. I get to see the I, I get to see the king's titty today. Oh, he titty. <laughs> His regal nipple. Tom, you're so, you're right basically. Because oh, the big highlight of these dressing and undressing ceremonies was the titty was the changing of the day shirt into the night shirt and vice versa, which oh, meant God. that there was one part of the ritual where he was completely naked. He did stand behind a screen for this, so, like, most of the onlookers couldn't see what was going on, except for one hand-picked onlooker who got to see the king's naked body. Jesus Lord. That was, like, the big, that was the big honor of the day. You got to see the king's dick. I was so uncomfortable in my body that until 19, I would wear t-shirts in the pool. I still wear t-shirts at the beach, but that's for sunburns. <laughs> Same planet, different worlds. Yeah. <laughs> no problem with, with my body there. Just don't want to get burned because my skin is made of tissue paper. All right. So we've seen the king's dick balls titty. <laughs> what else you got for me, Eric? Butthole? Ooh. I mean, yeah, I guess that would be included in the same package. Ooh, how, how's the discoloration on that bad boy? Pink? <laughs> brown? How dark it get? <laughs> Who knows? I mean, a lot of nobles did. Uh, oh, yeah, he was also a known womanizer. Slept with a lot of people. Fucking shocked. Yeah, a man know, obsessed right? with power, weird about women? Who could have fucking seen that coming? Yeah. All right, so before we get more into 
what daily life as a courtier in Versailles was like. We're going to take a break to show an ad for another show on the Major Cast Network. Goodbye. See you in a minute. Have you ever watched something for your favorite actor, but then afterwards you realized it wasn't worth your time? Well, our time is worth nothing. I'm Katie. And I'm Lenny. And together we host the Filmographers. Every month we pick an actor and watch everything they've done. Then we report back to you so you know everything to decide if it's worth your time. So check us out on the Major Cast Network or wherever you find your podcasts. New episodes the first week of every month. Fuck me up, Eric McAdams. So when we left off, I was talking about how uh, we were going to get into what it was like to be a courtier mm-hmm. in the court of Versailles. What was it like? Bet? Can I, t- can I take a quick guess? Yeah. Not great. Still better than being one of the fucking poor people who got 25% of their country's goddamn budget taken away from them and spent on a, on a fuckhouse. Well, let's reserve judgment on on that last bit until the end. All right, sure. Being a courtier in Versailles was, by all accounts, exhausting. Mm-hmm. Everyone was constantly vying for the king's favor so that you could, you know, they could see his dick and balls. And to do so, they had to keep up with every rule of etiquette and every fashion trend. And I don't know if you know this, but the French court was kind of famous for those. Mm-hmm. Nobles and courtiers spent vast sums of money just to dress fashionably, and those trends were brief and also not great. Um, mm-hmm. the, eventually, like there were there were nobles spending like their whole family fortunes on like their clothes so they could look good in Versailles because it was that important. All right, wow, I'm, you're right, Eric. I feel such a, a deep, profound sympathy for these people. Sometimes you had to have a super expensive lace collar. Other times mm-hmm. it was fashionable to dress in a specific shade of brown so that you could match the color of a newborn prince's shit on his diapers. What is the... F- That's real. That's a real thing. That's so fucking weird. Caca Dauphin was the shade of brown called that, that it was called. What is the fucking problem with rich people? That's so fucking weird. I know, right? Like, I love the prince so much, I'd wear his poop. Ah, shit. (laughs) Baby Baby Thoreau had a green shit today. Gotta gotta put on my St. Patrick's costume. (laughs) Fuck. And then there were also the royals' meals where all their courtiers would watch them eat a gigantic banquet. The courtiers were frequently not served in this part. They would Mm -hmm. watch the king and queen eat a bunch of food. Also, the food was usually cold because the kitchens were so far from the dining room, they would, like, get cold on the way there. Okay, so so this stupid big house is also a shitty house because it doesn't even serve the fucking functions of a living space. Cool. <laughs> cool. Good use of money. Good use of money, Louie. Oh, man, I'm, I, I, I have a piece de resistance here that is going to blow you away. Ugh, I can't wait. I'm going to fucking, I'm going to collapse into dust, into mere ash. So back to the meals, Louis XVI, the one who married Marie Antoinette before, you know, the French Revolution, 
He was famous for eating like a pig while she didn't eat anything. She didn't like getting like observed by everyone, which, you know, Mm -hmm. weird. He just fucking lit into everything that was there. Um, She would like pick at her food and wouldn't wouldn't eat anything. And then they then they'd leave and go off and have unsatisfying, like not really sex by all accounts. And the courtiers would just devour the leftovers. Oh my god! Right, that's just like th- like we're we're at the stage now. I think where I'm no longer angry, and I just feel sad. I just feel I'm just I I just feel so heavy right now. Like this couldn't have been good for anybody. It's just yeah. a it's just like a complete waste. Every time, eventually, every time someone listens to my podcast, they'll go through all the stages of grief in one episode. Also, uh, royals and other important nobles would receive visitors in their bedrooms. Ladies would watch the queen put on her makeup every day. Marie Antoinette would take visitors while she was taking a bath. That kind of thing. It was like this weird, like you know, see the royals in their private lives. They're just like us kind of shit. You know what I think is like the, I think maybe like one of the, I don't think this is the saddest part because definitely the saddest part is the structural inequality. But the bleakest part is that like, this could have been changed, you know, like they're the, this guy's like the fucking king. And he thinks that God will like justify literally whatever he does. It's, it's literally as easy as him being like, we don't need to do any of this anymore and then it stops yeah he also had the longest reign of any french monarch did louis the 14th and that's and that means that all that is ends up ultimately being self-imposed it can't have been comfortable for these people to yeah i think it was very comfortable for him <laughs> i'm sure it was comfortable for him but because he, was, people he around was kind him, of a psychopath like the amount of like how how he how he just kind of thrived on everyone looking at him all the time. What a disgusting broken man. Well, it also wasn't just him because like his dis like. Oh yeah, was, obviously these like, traditions yeah. went on for like a hundred years until the French Revolution. Yeah, this is like systemic. Obviously, like it yeah. is not isolated to him. One hundred percent. Like later royals did not enjoy it as much as he did, but like they were fine with it. It's just it's just always disappointing when you see the most powerful person just decide to do nothing. Mm. Yeah. So from everything I've said so far, Versailles sounds really weird and the royals are psychopathic, wanting everyone to like watch them all the time. But it's still like a giant mansion, so it would still be chill to live there, right? I'm gonna guess not. Yeah, it's it's wrong. But again, you know, self imposed, they're perpetuating. They're they are they they have all the power! They have all the fucking power <laughs> They could stop it. They could stop it. Sure they could. We've talked about how there were thousands of people living in Versailles at any given time, but it wasn't just the nobles and servants in the palace. Versailles was open to visitors and all French citizens. Uh, And while they weren't allowed to visit, like, every part, like, they weren't allowed to just, like, walk in on the king at any point, Mm -hmm. they could walk through, like, the big hallways, which were considered part of the public. Oh, thank God we get the hallways. Oh, boy! Yeah, because, like, the whole idea was, like, Versailles belongs to France. That was, like, it's whole thing right that's why they went to like only french manufacturers when they were building it that's the stupidest fucking thing i've ever heard in my life there were belong to france it was stolen from it Ugh. <laughs> so it uh 
alongside all the thousands of people living there, you have to remember that there were also thousands of people visiting there all the time. Oh boy, those lucky people. There were two things that made having that many people there an intolerable living situation. Uh The first is a combo. Most of the palace was made of marble, and the chimneys weren't great. (laughs) So everything echoed! (laughs) No, that... I mean, sure, but that wasn't what I was gonna get. Just constant, and you know, back then when all—I don't know if this is true. I'm just making an. Here's an unverifiable history fact: all shoes made out of wood. Clip, clop, <laughs> clip, clop, clip, clop. Sure. Wood on marble. Bam, bam, <laughs> echo. I mean, yeah, it probably did echo. Maddening. But that's not what I was getting Maddening. at. Maddening. Marble doesn't trap heat well. Meaning Versailles could get really fucking cold, especially in the winter, necessitating fires to be going in, like, every fireplace all the time. Mm -hmm. However, the chimneys also were not well constructed, and a lot of smoke would get trapped inside. Tapestries, curtains, anything that could, like, have soot on them would just be covered in soot. Everything would smell like smoke. Throughout the the entire year, but especially the winter months. Okay. The second grosser part of this is there weren't enough places for guests to relieve themselves. Uh, Would people piss in or outdoors? Uh, when, when, When all the, when, when everything was occupied. Apparently there weren't enough like outhouses or public areas to relieve yourselves. So people would just piss and shit all over the inside of Versailles. You know what? Hell yeah. <laughs> Fuck that stupid shitty palace. Fuck they it. Would, they would just fucking go in whatever corner, behind staircases, in the corners, fucking wherever they could find. And some nobles would also bring like their dogs and animals inside. And they'd just go wherever, obviously. I like this. This this is a radical act of reclamation. The nearby land would get really muddy, like it was built like partially on a swamp or something, and people would just track that inside because who gives a shit? Yeah. Yeah. Like Hey, and you know what? Who there fucking were, there gives were, whoa, a shit? Whoa, whoa, whoa. There were there were nobles that wouldn't find even like a corner. They would just piss themselves as they walked because they didn't think they should have oh to my do anything. God. Yeah, I know. The even this, fuck? even this, they fuck up. What the fuck is the matter with rich people? <laughs> what is the no? Seriously, like you're peeing yourself, dog. <laughs> hey, homie, you're fucking no peeing yourself. Just like, like wouldn't even slow down. <laughs> I can't. I don't even pee at urinals. I just go into a fucking stall because I'm so anxious all the time. What's the fucking matter with you? What's Urinals your fucking also problem? Suck just in general. If, I, if there's an empty Shh. stall, that's what I'm using. Good fucking god. god. Oh my god. The maintenance staff apparently like they were they cleaned the place, but they couldn't do that much about it. So the people who visited the palace basically found that it was covered in mud, excrement, and animal oh excrement all the time. So it wasn't even, like, pretty like it's supposed to be. I've got a quote here from Daily Life During the French Revolution. (sighs) (laughs) Servants and aristocratic visitors often relieved themselves on back stairs, along the darkened corridors, or in any out-of-the-way place. 
The writer Horace Walpole agreed with other English visitors to Versailles that the approach was magnificent, but the squalor inside was unspeakable. (laughs) The stench of urine and fecal remains wafted through corridors and gardens where wastewater was often emptied from the windows. Mm, Sounds like this whole thing just shouldn't have been done in the first place. Sometimes garbage was dumped on the royal grounds by local peasants because no one gave a shit. Jesus lord. Well, no, I think actually quite the opposite happened. <laughs> in fact, everybody they gave, gave several. Shits to they Versailles. gave as many shits as they had. Yeah, in their bodies. Which, you know what I would imagine was probably about one. One. The per best person. part of this is like you know indoor plumbing obviously was not a thing, right? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't really close to a river, so that made sewage treatment kind of difficult. So there were and there weren't all these like conveniently placed outhouses, so it just became shit town three thousand. Jesus Christ. But the really crazy thing is that it doesn't have indoor plumbing, but they did have elaborate hydraulic water systems powering the fountains in the gardens. Mm-hmm. I mean, just think about that. Like, you don't have anything to deal with, like, the mountain of shit that is inside your house. But if Louis wanted to stroll through the gardens and see the fountains go, he could. I can't believe they didn't set up rules. Like, if <laughs> if you came over to my home, Eric, and you shit, and you fucking shit, like, in a corner somewhere, that would be it. No more podcast guest spots? No more. I mean, like, I think that we would have to talk before I, like, cut ties with you just to see where you were coming from and if, if there, there was, was any like, remorse there. if there was any chance for healing but i feel Redemption. like if a bunch of a bunch of strangers are in your home and they're just pooping in your stairs then like i'd be like get out of here you've got to assume that he was just fine with living like this what the fuck dog it it's it's such a that's such a honestly that's such a stark example that wealth and tradition is all uh uh decorum of whim where like who the who the fuck no 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 like who the fuck is like it's okay for you to shit in my house because my house is so nice what are you fucking kidding me right this is your house basically it's a public corridor oh my lord sorry keep Uh, keep going a, a, a little fun fact it wasn't near a river right like it wasn't that close to a good source of water so they didn't actually have a ton of water for the fountains so when when louis would like go for a stroll in the gardens to see the fountains instead of them all going at once it would be going in one area and then servants would like frantically rush to the next one operate some valves to get it going and have the water stop on the last one and like so on throughout the whole thing jesus fucking christ (laughs) tradition's a joke tradition's a joke fuck it all burn it down Fucking think, cut his head off. I don't think a... any of my other guests would be quite so, like, embrace the void at the end of this as you are, Tom. I'm just, I just want him to die. <laughs> no, they did. I mean, he's already dead. That's the worst part, is he's already dead. He did, yeah, he's dead. Also, you know, worth noting, the commoners saw Versailles as a symbol of the excess of French nobility, and this perception helped lead to the French Revolution. 
I that does not surprise me in the yeah, slightest. Yeah, weird how like the commoners thought that like there was a huge disparity of wealth, and while they were starving, the nobles were doing stupid shit. Jesus fucking Christ! You're shitting in a house I can't eat. <laughs> I've got four kids because we don't know what birth control is. <laughs> None of us eat. Oh my god. Yeah, this was during the time when, like, you know, bread was the national industry, where, like, bakers were civil servants. And then there was, like, a bread shortage, and they were like, well, I guess the country's going to hell. Jesus Christ. So that's the end of the story of Versailles, because Thank that's where, basically, god. the French nobility end. Actually, here's a, here's, a, here's a fun fact, a surprise that I hid from you. I've been to Versailles. Really? Yeah, yeah. I got. To, I was very fortunate and got to take a family vacation when I was young to France yeah. once, and I visited Versailles. Um, I didn't get it, <laughs> as you I can mean, imagine. It seems pretty. I've never been to France personally. I was. I was not wowed by it. I didn't get it. Um, mm-hmm. The workers were on strike that day because they were fighting for a livable wage, which my parents thought were just was just so entitled and appalling. Um, oh, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Um and we should, you know, you should they should tear down Versailles for materials and sell it and give that money to poor people. Fuck fuck rich person culture. Eh, I don't know. I don't really see a point to get rid of it now cuz it makes a ton of money in tourism for them. I, f- I feel like you could I feel like it's healthier instead of perpetuating the the lie that Versailles is this awesome construction of human achievement that you could strip it for materials sell those materials and repurpose them into like useful social programs or like social tools and then give the money from that directly to those in need in france but i mean i know that's not going to happen but i mean yeah what i I mean my my solution would be slightly different i'd make sure that like tours and you know informational stuff in versailles made it clear of like the living situation and how it let how it like represents a huge amount of disparity and i would also take the profits from it and give it to the same social programs yeah you know you can put history in a book but more people can't. visit versailles than visit the eiffel tower well that's crazy to me like i'd visit the eiffel tower before versailles in a heartbeat yeah well that was terrible and i hate everything and i want to get like... on to the pickle yes please god give me a pickle so at the end of every episode, I after a long story of grand incompetence, I tell a short story involving competence in an absurd way, and we're staying in France for it. Marie Groschultz was born in Strasbourg, France in 1761. Mm-hmm. She would move with her mother at a young age to Bern, Switzerland. Her father had died before she was born, where she met Dr. Philippe Curtius. The doctor had an interest in wax work, and he liked creating lifelike wax models of real people. He would use he would do like portraits of it. Originally, he did it for like ana- anatomical purposes because doctor, mm-hmm. but eventually he gave up on his medical practice and moved to Paris to have a wax exhibit there. That's very cool. Marie and her mother went with him because her mother worked as his housekeeper. Curtius taught Marie everything he knew about wax work, and she too became quite adept at it. She even showed some of her own creations to the French royalty at the time. Unfortunately, when the French Revolution rolled around, this painted her as a royalist and she was kept under house arrest. Oh boy, that's very unfortunate. So as a kind of test for her loyalty, the leaders of the revolution 
had Marie create death masks out of wax for the most famous people they executed. Okay. This included King Louis XVI, Marie Antoinette, and eventually Robespierre. Ah, uh, yes. How yeah. the tides turn. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get into... We'll get. I think I'll probably do an episode about, like, Robespierre and the French Revolution later, because, like, they weren't great either. Yeah. So she did this, obviously, and through all she was doing this, she realized, like, how enticing kind of this morbid fascination with seeing like wax versions of famous people was and eventually with the help of some influential friends marie escaped france uh but not before she inherited courteous's waxwork collection and marrying a man named francois tussaud Mm -hmm. marie tussaud then went to great britain and toured the country with her wax exhibit she finally settled down in london in the 1830s founding what would eventually be referred to as Madame Tussauds Wax Museum. Mm-hmm. Which I, which I assume you heard, you've heard of. I actually have not. What? No. Wait, hold on. Really? I've, I've never heard of... I. Sorry, I don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of fucking wax museums, Eric. I it's, apologize. Hold... Wait, you don't... You've never heard of Madame Tussauds Wax Museum? No. Okay, see, I was building this to like a listen. Like a you know what? At the end Some people haven't fucking seen Star Wars, and I don't jump down their goddamn throats. This is I'm a not fucking wet museum. I'm just surprised, Tom. Well, I haven't. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me more about Madame Tussauds Wax Museum. I literally didn't write anything because I assumed you were familiar with. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> Well, well, I guess joke's on you then. Isn't there egg <laughs> on your so. face? <laughs> so Madame Tussauds is this big tourist attraction in London. No, 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 don't you don't. It has no, 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 no. I don't want around you... the world, Tom. Eric, stop. Eric, stop. I don't want you to lift a finger. Hang okay. on a second. This will be just like our other podcast. We are experts where we do research for a second. Okay. Madame Tussauds. Tom, wait, you've never seen, like, the pictures of celebrities, like, standing next to their wax double? No, what the fuck are you talking about? Oh my what god, this is so weird. I well, I have about? now. How have you not heard about this? Uh, Madame yeah. Tussauds has branches in Beijing, in, uh, like, in fucking Chongqing, China, Shanghai, Wuhan, Hong Kong, New Delhi, Tokyo, Singapore, Bangkok... Amsterdam, Berlin, Blackpool, Istanbul, London, Prague, Vienna, Hollywood, Las Vegas, Nashville, New York City, Orlando, San Francisco, Washington, D.C., and Sydney, Australia. How have you not heard about this? Some people just haven't heard about things. One time I met... Okay, no, no, no. One time time I met somebody who had literally... Who did not know who Wonder Woman was. I, it was I after the Wonder so, Woman but, movie had come out too, and I was like, talking with her, and I was like, "I swear, I'm not to, trying to be rude. To I just like news stories of like celebrities seeing their new wax double." Listen, sometimes There's people no don't know things. Way. <laughs> Fuck you! Leave me alone! What the hell? <laughs> Go fuck yourself! <laughs> I don't need to know everything. My I fucking didn't say you did. I just literally my fucking story ends with 
what would eventually be referred to as Madame Tussauds Wax Museum. Well, that's where my notes what? end, Tom. I think that this is your fault. Really? I'm sure, I guess. No, I think objectively it's your fault. No, not disagreeing. <laughs> I'm just also still flabbergasted that you haven't heard of this. Sorry, I'm like not, not even in passing. I no, maybe you, you you didn't know that wax museums like period. Mu- well, existed. yeah, of course I know that wax museums exist. What the? There's like one big name in all of wax museums. There's only one that I know. Eric. And it's this one. And you've definitely heard of it before. You just forgot about I it. I don't even think that's really a lesson, though. I think that's just a piece of information. It's just more more the continued <laughs> a continued example of Tom's memory. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, literally, if you if if you're worried about me forgetting, don't worry. I will, and it I will forget in about ten to fifteen. <laughs> Because, like, that is the thing. I'm sure you've seen some fucking news story about it. Probably. I've probably seen a picture of a wax, of, like, portrait or whatever you call it, sculpture of a celebrity, but I Did you end up, like, looking it up? Are you, like, I can't see what you're doing. Did you, like, look it up? Yeah, I looked it up on my phone. Yeah, I've seen pictures of people in wax. Cool. Whatever. (sighs) It's a very, it's a, it's a very cool kind of spooky thing it's very you know takes maybe, talent yeah takes maybe skill. i, I just overestimated that. how famous it was like i like i mean it is the most famous like wax museum uh but like i've literally seen them in multiple cities like i've like i've walked by madame tussauds in washington dc oh good for you the fucking city that you've spent most of your life in yeah hey i wasn't looking for wax museums you know neither was i tom Oh my god! Like wait, I, wait. Can you like ask whoever else is in your apartment if they've heard of it? All right, give me one second. I'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> I'll shout. I'll shout so you can hear. William James. Oh, Have you guys heard of Madame Tussauds Wax Museum? All right. Well, fuck me, I guess. Well, they uh, they said they immediately knew what it was. They immediately knew what it was, and they asked me which location I was referring to. <laughs> so, listen, not everybody has to know everything. That's okay. Like, man, no, of course not. You must not... be my big moral with that that girl who didn't know who Wonder Woman was. Was it was like it's I, like I'm not trying to be rude. I just like I do not. No, do not yeah, see I'm not either. It's just, and that's totally it's fine. You don't have to. Fucking... Leave me I'm alone. I'm trying to make you feel bad, Tom. Thank I you for just... having me on, Eric. Yeah. Thanks for being on, Tom. It's always <laughs> great when you're on this podcast. You're one of my, you're one of my closest friends. I love you. <laughs> I love you too, Tom. Uh, do you want to do some plugs for your other shows? Fuck yeah. All right. I do a goddamn King Me pod. <laughs> Fuck, I know. I do a Stephen King podcast called mm-hmm. King Me about... Uh, his theatrical adaptions, and I also read the books to provide a little bit of additional context. I've been on it. I also do Media Majors, uh, a storytelling podcast about major media where uh, other major caster, Liam, covers a story from the world of movies, and I cover video games. If you want to hear me talk about Telltale Shutdown and unionization, you should listen to a recent episode um, and then uh, we, we, you and I also do 
What the fuck is that show called? We're experts. <laughs> we are yeah, experts. We do. Uh, a show where we goofily speculate on a topic that we don't know anything about and then do research on it and also riff on that. And we didn't do an episode this last week, but we're going to have one this week. Yeah. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Thomas Lockney. Lockney is spelled L-O-U-G-H-N-E-Y. It's Irish, I know. And I, in, I, I less frequently now, but I do also write about video games. You can find that on NakedCriticism.com. Yay. Those are all my plugs. My name is Eric McAdams. Thank you for listening to Big Time Whoopsies. You can find me on Twitter at Audaciously Yours, although I might change that in the near future. And you can also find my personal website, NoCharacterIsSafe.com, even though I don't really uh, post that much either. And you can you can find stuff I've written by searching my name, and you can find my other shows in the MajorCast Network, which Tom has already talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for, for being here, Tom, listening to the the story behind the most famous wax museum in the world involving taking death masks from executed royals. <laughs> Thank you. I thought you'd enjoy that origin story even if you didn't know what <laughs> thank it you was. For having me, Eric. No and my problem. Bra- and, and thank you for making my brain bigger. <laughs> That's what I do. Eventually all my listeners will just they won't be able to walk. They'll just fall over every time they walk around. Too top heavy. Like a like a Hummer. <laughs> Do you think Hummers fall over because they're top-heavy? Well, they could. I guess. Bye! <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major.